Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Epic Loot Radio Podcast. My name is Brian, your host, and joining me, Hoag Law, uh, we're going to be talking about 2022. It's been a wild year, but we're going to really be focusing in and on uh, video games. If you guys are interested in more of his legal analysis, be sure to go check out his YouTube channel. It is already linked in the title of this video, of this live stream archive. And if you're listening to this in the MP3 uh, podcast, well, thank you so much for checking out the MP3. Hopefully you guys enjoy these episodes. Uh, we scheduled this episode originally way back in the day. And then when it came time, we were like, okay, yeah, yeah, are we able to do this? My dad ended up having surgery. So thank you so much for being flexible. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be able to make this show. Um, well, it was literally like hours before. Yeah. Right? I'm like getting ready. I'm figuring out what my day is. And, and I was like, like hey, hey, the YouTube placeholder says December 7th. Yeah. And I was uh, like, okay. okay, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> so we're together again. We've uh, we've done a couple shows, uh, talked to some video games, talked about some legal issues that have cropped up uh, in like 2021. Activision Blizzard being one of the crossovers that really kind of connects our communities together overall. But I'd like to focus more on it's December. We're, we're, we're Tomorrow is the Game Awards. It is. And so I'd like to get your idea as a gamer uh, looking at this year. Uh, obviously, the Game Awards has their uh, their list of games and nominees, and I think all of those are well-deserving and not going to bes- uh, disparage any of those. But I, w- I would actually like to start with what is your personal game of the year and why? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, as I think people that, that watch me know, I, I often do a kind of game of the year talk with my brother who's a game designer. Uh, and I think what's going to happen this year, if I can even get him to come online, he's just a hard man to get a hold of, is that we're going to have a really eclectic list. Uh, that the, the best thing I can say on 2022 is that there might have been a general fall off in, in AAA games. We could talk about it to some extent. And there were delays, obviously, like seemingly every week. Uh, into 2023 so that calendar looks ridiculous and I expect more delays just to get things like where the money's available but it meant that there was a lot of room to breathe for games of kind of either lesser pedigree and I don't mean in terms of quality of the game but like where it came from and what you might be expecting from it uh, and uh, kind of scope so I looked at this year and I have had just a fantastic time with what is traditionally called like indie games or smaller double a type game experiences this year than i ever would have expected i honestly when somebody goes and says oh you know these triple a games didn't release we expected to be playing you know starfield now and all this other stuff uh I, it almost surprises me how little i feel it as as a whole like in my gaming year um so my yeah. my favorite game of the year uh was a game that i fortunately got to play on game pass Uh, because it was a Game Pass game, but it was from one of my favorite creators, uh, and and it's the creator of a game that I really loved as an idea called Her Story a few years back. Uh, And and Her Story, if you haven't played it, is you go and you're ostensibly at like a, I don't know, like a police interrogation room, pulling up clips of somebody getting interviewed by the police, and you get to insert search terms and go through this. It it won some acclaim. It was a smallish project. Uh, And that grew uh, into a game called Telling Lies. Uh, You could see that they had kind of aspirations for doing real movie stuff. They had movie actors and things like that in a similar kind of thing where you're searching for for video files. And then I think they broke through this year with a game called Immortality, which I don't want to I don't want to go too far on this, but I can't say this without it sounding like it goes too far. I think might have the best story in the history of the medium so far. Oh, okay. Um, that immortality is, and I know a number of my colleagues and friends who I talk to video games offline about say, ah, I'm not even sure that's a video game. <laughs> well, we, we can talk about that. 
uh, immortality is the same kind of concept. You've got clips of things and you're looking for other clips of things to understand what happened. And there aren't RBG bars. There isn't equipment. There isn't experience. There isn't anything like that. You're just trying to figure out how to get to the next clip. The difference in immortality over her story and telling lies, you don't have a keyboard. You don't need a keyboard. Uh, it is a visual search cue. So if you're looking at a clip and you pause the screen, you don't even have to pause, I don't think, and you see an ashtray, you click on the ashtray. In the archive that it has, it will pull up another ashtray randomly. And you can look at that clip with an ashtray. Now, obviously, that's a somewhat silly explanation of the scenario. You're going to be looking at actors' faces. You're going to be looking at odd things in the background, seeing how they're used. And the overall structure is that there's this actress who is currently missing, and this actress actually filmed three movies that never came out over the course of, I think it's like the 60s, the 70s, and the 90s, okay. uh, give or take. And they and these movies all have um, the indicia of the decade they're from, right? They, they look like it. And, and in a way, that isn't common to video games, right? I think we all have a notion of a full motion video game in the back of our heads. It looks kind of cheesy. There's some green screens, maybe some cardboard props. You got Mark Hamill talking to a giant cat man for a period of time, whatever it might be in the back of your head. This is real kind of TV or movie making of the kind that, uh, you know, the main actress is up for best performance uh, tomorrow at the Game Awards. I think she should be a shoe in. We'll see. Who knows? Uh, but I would have said it was kind of capable of winning an Emmy or an Oscar. I mean, it's yeah. a really fantastic kind of performance. And so throughout the course of this game, Immortality, you are playing to get these clips. It's mixed between these three movies. There's a number of ways you can sort them and go through them kind of as an investigator to figure out what goes where, when it was taped, what exactly it is you're supposed to be doing in terms of figuring something out. And unfortunately, I can't go a ton further than that without revealing some of the really big tricks that Immortality does. But suffice to say, it is a multi-layered examination of the nature of storytelling and what it means to be famous to some extent, the nature of games and interaction as a medium in and of itself, and then like, throw on a dollop of religion, spirituality, and the human condition, which all sounds like I'm, you know, at the salon uh, in, in, a un in the union of my liberal arts college talking about uh, fantastic literature or something like that. But it's done in such a way that is not overly <laughs> pretentious. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just think it is just one of the best things ever. And the layeredness of the story is, is just amazing. But yes, it, it doesn't have opponents. It doesn't have anything like that. It's interactive media as much as anything. Uh, but it is absolutely wonderful. It is easily my game of the year. And usually when I, I said, you know, I do those lists with my brother, usually I kind of hide the game of the year a little bit, but I've been crowing about immortality since I spent like a week straight just playing it because I, I could not get it out of my head. And and the story that it was telling and putting the pieces together and figuring out what was going on, uh, just amazing, amazing stuff. Did you say that's on Game Pass? It is. Well, it was. I mean, I, I never like to commit to that because I never yeah. know when things leave, but it right. was. I believe it still is. And what what's the rating on this game? OM is all heck. Okay, cool. That <laughs> that was just like I was, you know, as I was sitting here like, oh, maybe me and my wife would enjoy playing through this. Uh, I don't together. I don't know what uh your your wife likes vis-a-vis -vis actual visual visual media. Mm -hmm. It is um especially the 60s movie, it's a and it's actually all of them. It's a variant on kind of an exploitation concept. Uh, so those movies are, um, well, it's of the Skinamax variety often. And so that that's part of the story. It's, it's not, 
It's not gratuitous. <laughs> and yet, you know, if someone were to walk behind you and be like, what are you playing, what are dog? What going on? What's going on in there? <laughs> well, hello. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, Immortality is my easy game of the year. I don't think there's been anything done like it. And I think it uses the medium of video gaming or at least interactive entertainment, because I know some people complain about it not being a video game to me loudly in my DMs. Uh, at least in the uh, in the medium of interactive entertainment, it is exactly what I love to see. Novelty. I never would have told a story this way. Somebody showed me the way, and it is awesome. Speaking of things that uh, people have referred to as not a video game or uh, less than so, my game of the year is Triangle Strategy uh, hey. that came out on Switch. Uh, return to uh, tactical JRPG. Uh, very, but it's like I was like people were like. Yeah, it's like it's like you're watching you're you're reading a book, you're playing through this story and occasionally and then yeah. yeah, oh they're long. They're like <laughs> and, and then back to back and then it's like, "Hey, I think I've been playing for 2 hours and oh, here's a fight." And like the fights are really good and you have mock uh, battles that you can you can kind of level up, but for me I was like, "This is I'm really happy to see that and I'm really wanting it to be a success." And that's something that was just like it came out earlier this year. I wasn't able to put it down for a long period of time. I really enjoyed it. At the book end of the year, we saw Tactics Ogre uh, remaster coming out as well. Love it. Oh, dude. And I was like, this is great. So I have that on my my, my Steam Deck now. And I don't have high hopes that we're going to see like a, a resurgence in tactical JRPGs just making their way all the way out into the world and, and dominating the, the Twitches of the world. But, oh, but yeah. I love it. Like the sequence this year, right, is Triangle Strategy Early, mm -hmm. Tactics Ogre, Front Mission First Remake, yeah. uh, Midnight Suns is a tactical strategy game. Like just really good tactics all over the place in 2022. Yeah. Uh, getting its moment to shine a little bit when it's not kind of subsumed by AAA action adventures. It was nice. Yeah, I love I, tactical RPGs. And I'm, I'm hoping that based off of like all the information we've seen that next up would be the Final Fantasy Tactics remake or remaster. Well, the NVIDIA leaks yeah, suggest exactly. Final Fantasy Tactics is coming, right? But they, they suggested it like in 2021. So it's like, hey, yeah, it's all coming true. That that NVIDIA leak is like a wish list of things that you say, ah, I couldn't possibly exist. And it's just every year. Yeah, they all just keep oh, popping out. Bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> well, and it tells you just how long uh, they are working on it. In fact, actually, uh, one of the things I've been testing out I move my mic from the the thing. I got the uh, Logitech G Cloud because it was on sale oh, for a hundred bucks off. Well, it, it's an Android device, and so I have Tactics on Android. I was really hoping that the the controller would interact with it and it doesn't. So they'd either oh. need to update that programming, or I don't know, release a remaster, and then I'll absolutely buy that one. Because I was like, my hope was I was like, oh wait, this actually is an Android tablet. Like I can, I can do more than just like stream you know games to it. And then I was like, oh, I was slightly disappointed when I was like, okay, it doesn't work with my controller. And I, I, I have a lot of faith that Final Fantasy Tactics is coming out next year. And I, I really loved, I didn't even know how much I would love uh, jumping back into Tactics Ogre and then looking at the year it released and just feeling really old. Yeah. But uh, did it you ever was, play uh, uh, Ogre Battle? Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah, it's actually pretty funny because I'm playing Tactics Ogre and the, some of the people that come in at the, at the beginning are effectively links back to Ogre Battle. And I'm, I'm like, oh, it's Zenobia, it's all this stuff. And I'm just kind of like remembering mm -hmm. decades ago of like, oh yeah, this guy is that. And like, none of that makes any sense to anybody that's just coming brand new. Right. Except that the, the video, the opening video still says whatever, episode seven mm -hmm. of the Ogre Saga. <laughs> yeah, March of the Black Queen was the one that was yeah. the Ogre Battle. And I was like, I can't remember what episode that was, but I guess that's an earlier episode number. And then I just like I think it's the uh, one immediately before Tactics Ogre, but I'm not positive on that. And then at the at its core, I was like, I wish we could also get Ogre Battle because like I've 
it's all these old games that we starting to see Square Enix actually remake and remaster through the Octopath Traveler Unreal Engine, you know, which I think has been yes, HG3D is awesome. Oh, it's gorgeous. It makes me wish they would do the same thing for the early Final Fantasies and really just kind of like, yeah, let's I'll buy everyone. I think they're just they're prepping. They're getting ready. They're they're testing yeah. all the things with HD3D. They don't want to release Final Fantasy VI upon the world just yet. Right. But it's clearly building towards Final Fantasy VI. The the Dragon Warrior three that they got working in it yes. looks awesome. Octopath Traveler oh, two looks dude. amazing. I have uh, not. That's one of the games of shame that I have is that I have not finished my Octopath Traveler. And the problem that I'm running into is that I actually have it like on all, I bought it like on every platform. Um, but I like, I never like, I was like, oh, I'll do it, play a little bit here, play a little bit here. And I was like, I just need to finish that before Octopath Traveler 2 comes out. So that's my, that's my Christmas holiday goal is to, is to I love finish Octopath. Oh, it's so yeah. good. Every, every time I played it, I was like, this is just such a great game. The one thing I would have changed, and it'll be interesting to see if they do in the sequel, is that the characters felt more disconnected they were just kind of whoever your main was or the story you were working on that was the story and there wasn't really aware that anybody else was kind of with you and i was like okay yeah they, they tried to add in those little kind of memory scene type things but my understanding is that they actually have pairs and, and trios that have their own stories and storylines in the sequel so i think it'll be pretty cool yeah that's gonna be pretty nice uh, overall i think the one thing I, I didn't get a chance to try this year was alive alive um, that was yeah. another remake, uh, you know, in that same engine coming, you know, coming out. And I was like, okay, that's something that I'd be really interested to see. But um, yeah, is there it any... looks great. It's a very weird game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I like Live Alive or, or Live Alive or Live Alive or whatever Live the heck Alive. they go with. Live on, yeah, uh, on that. But I, uh, it is very weird. You can understand as you play it. It's like, I, I get how the Nintendo of America, Square Enix type people were like, uh, no, maybe not for the West. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I like it. It's interesting to see. But it, yeah, it's 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 of its time. But I, I really do enjoy it. The thing you uh, you kind of hinted at, uh, especially as you talked about game delays shifting into 2023, we seem to have that same kind of setup going into 2022. And it felt like February ended up becoming this year alone the biggest receptor of all the big game releases. Uh, do you see that happening as we go into 2023? Like where they're just going to all pile into one month again? Cause that for me felt pretty nuts. Like if I was going to rate a negative in a positive way, like it was great that we got all these games. It really was hard when they all came out within a span of 28 days. Yeah. I remember Elden Ring and Horizon being right on top of each other. That was, that was mm -hmm. a problem. Guild Wars 2, Destiny. It's like, it just keeps yeah. going and going and going. So I, I think the answer is yes. Uh, you know, it's interesting if you follow like the movie industry, one of the things you'll see is the studios kind of bounce around each other with release dates and give each other enough space when something moves uh, around and then fill in for a, a specific week. And we don't quite see that dynamism yet with release dates. So it's essentially everybody playing chicken because nobody, nobody, I don't care how successful you are, has the space to purchase nine games in two weeks or whatever, yeah. like the last two weeks of January look like right now. And so you expect things to move around. I don't know whether that'll happen or not. Um, so then you wind up getting kind of like, all right, I'm going to prioritize this one or this two or this three. Uh, if you if you're you know looking for you know a lot of content, and then other games fall by the wayside. Then you get past a certain point, and because of the way the gaming industry works, yeah, I'll just wait for it to come on sale because it'll it'll come on sale. Uh, and then you have what amounts to not failures, but maybe not as good as they could have done if they had gone and found their own space. Uh, in the calendar. So I think long term, you'll see some more dynamism and moving things around a little bit. And maybe that'll happen disco 
Uh, but right now, no, January and February look like a train wreck. I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know how you can afford that. Well, and then everything kind of just dries up. It felt like when we were starting getting into March, April, May, June, uh, like I remember I was talking with a couple of other creators and it's like, yeah, there really isn't a lot of game news right now. Not a lot of releases. It does make way for smaller or like, you know, like you said, kind of the, the more niche or less marketed game, because all of a sudden people are like, well, I actually do have money in my wallet now. And I am interested in playing something else and you know what, what's out there. Oh yeah. It gets me buying weird stuff. Yeah. No, I remember there were a couple of like just droughts and it's like, oh, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll try this. I'll buy these three things. And you know, sometimes you find gems, sometimes you don't. Uh, but I, I think that the game industry overall could do a better job of that. I think they are learning that you don't have to hit that November, December spot that there are sales to be had in January and February. And I think, you know, some of the delays kind of pushed them to learning that when they, they didn't want to, because mm. I don't know, you, you remember this, that, oh, yeah. like the, the, the two weeks in November used to be like, I, what, I don't know what to do. <laughs> There's January seven games and February were just dry. Like there was yeah. nothing. January. You never had any games in January. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the first one I can remember most recently is like, oh, Kingdom Hearts three comes out in January. Oh, that's, that's, that's pretty wild. That's a pretty big name. I guess they missed. Yeah. I guess they missed, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah bummer. So I think they're all going to work out eventually, uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if like Sony just moves in and plants a flag in that February area. They've had massive success with those February releases now. Uh, and so we'll see how it goes. I, I, for instance, don't have any idea when any of Microsoft stuff is going to come out, uh, particularly Redfall and Starfield. Sometime next year, they got delayed out of this year, but we still don't know exactly when they're coming out. Are Maybe we'll know tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. That's true. We'll get some trailers and some game news, some announcements for sure. We should get Final Fantasy 16's release date. Everybody says that's coming. Uh, but I, it, it's it's wild to think about. Again, feels like next year. This feels a little bit like being a Detroit Lions fan. Feels like next year is going to be the big year. It's our year. Uh, and I think that'll stick. I think that'll stick. You got I, Final Fantasy 16 is going to hit. Starfield's going to hit. I, I, next year is going to be a big year. Um, are, you, are you excited about Starfield and Redfall at all? So I love Arcane. Um, I'm not a big fan of Deathloop. That's really the only miss for me on the Arcane side of things. So that I'm did really well, like in terms of just critical it's reception. Totally, yeah, I'm totally a minority on this. this You're good. Totally no worries. I was. Just, <laughs> I'm just gauging that. It's like okay, that's really good to know. Like yeah, because yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no. Prey knocked it out of the park. I love Prey. I love Dishonored. Didn't like Deathloop. So I'm interested to see like where direction the Redfall goes. Uh, and so I'll definitely be checking it out. I, I think it's a Game Pass game. So, yes, I will be checking yeah. it out. Uh, Starfield, um, I don't know. I, I think that they hid it from our view for a long period of time because they didn't feel it was ready. And then I think the big blowout for the game was not terribly impressive to me, to me. Uh, and so they then took an extra year, right? I mean, like they're going to take an extra year to, yeah. to make this game. And that's all the time in the world. You can you can make massive improvements, but I would expect it to feel now that we've seen it a little bit like a Bethesda game with a spaceship. And you know that's fine. I yeah. remember liking Skyrim, but it came out eons ago in my like personal video game career. So I'm hopeful it'll be good. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Insofar as I like space, I like science fiction. We don't get enough of that, I think, covered in video games in general. Uh, and so I'm I'm certainly willing to give it a chance, but. It doesn't like knock my socks off with what's being presented so far. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because it's going to be, I think, how it how it feels and the gunplay feels for Starfield. Because if yeah. it doesn't feel good, like it, it, you're just, it's easy to go back to anything else that feels better. It's these games don't exist in a bubble, so it's like if I'm going to be in space shooting a gun, 
there's going to be immediate. I think there's no matter what they're going to be going up against immediate like comparisons to be playing destiny to destiny. <laughs> right. Like, and it's like, wait a minute. Like I'm exploring our solar system and I'm on a planet and it's, you know, okay, wait a minute. Like, what am I doing here? But they don't have to be destiny. It just needs to make sure that it has really, really good gunplay. And then outside of that is like, if you got that loop, if you get a really, that's the thing, that's the magic of destiny is that like, despite like people were like talking about like, Oh, the numbers are way down. It's like, well, yeah, it's November. Like everybody's playing everything else. It's the third season. Their expansion's coming out. But yeah, people take a break. Yeah, light falls pretty soon, isn't it? Yeah. Life falls in February. That's what like back to 2023 for the end of February, 2023, people are going to come back and the gameplay is just going to be like, man, goodness, this feels so good to, to step back into. And that's going to be, the challenge for Starfield, but that's the challenge for any game that when naturally they're like as a comparison to a visual style or, you know, some kind of uh, setup in that regards. You mentioned uh, Final Fantasy uh, 16. What are your top, like, I guess, you know, handful of games that you're most excited about that we know about for 2023? I have a weird list. I have yeah, to be honest. Do it. Um, so I'm really, this is funny, right? Konami really well known for video games. Now I'm really looking forward to the Suikoden remakes. I love Suikoden to death. Suikoden. Oh, you call uh, Suikoden. I was always calling it Suikoden. I probably, I'm probably wrong. You, I, I, I can't pronounce things. So <laughs> that word is just a sequence of letters to me. All right. So I yes, it's, it's, it's Suikoden is how I've pronounced it. I'm sure I'm wrong, uh, but I'm really looking forward to those as yeah. well as um, I, I'm going to get this pronunciation wrong. I think it's Euden Chronicles, which is the, the, the Suikoden uh, kind of kickstarted uh, spiritual successor kind of game. It's just a big year for Suikoden stuff for me. Uh, Yuridin Chronicles had kind of like an action-adventure prequel thing that came out this year and was also available on Game Pass. Might still be. Yeah. Uh, that I really enjoyed. So it's like, oh, that's going in the right direction, uh, in my opinion. So I'm looking out for those. Final Fantasy 16, man. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. What, what, do, what do you know? Like, what do you not know? Where, I, where do you I, fall on 16? Like, I don't know, right? So I'm old school on this stuff. My favorite based. Final Fantasy is 6. I like a good turn-based strategy RPG. Uh, so, uh, you know, you, you bring in the Devil May Cry guys. You, you point out how awesome and flashy it is. It's like a fighting game comes out as the quote. It's like, I, I, look, Square Enix, I play all of your games. So it can be crazy as all heck. So I'll, I'll play it. I'm not sure it's going to scratch that Final Fantasy itch. We'll see. I don't know. I'm not... I don't really come to the Final Fantasy show for swinging my sword real fast and big and making sparks fly everywhere. So we'll see. I think I'm actually more interested in what do they wind up going with? Rebirth? Yeah. Uh, the, the next piece of the Final Fantasy VII puzzle, um, which Final Fantasy VII Remake uh, was one of my favorite games of the year it released, even though I disagree with certain directions that they've taken. So I'm very interested in seeing what in the God's honest truth they're deciding to do with this series. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. I think they actually yeah. really mastered what I want out of their modern battle system with the Final Fantasy VII Remake project, which is... Yeah, it's big and flashy if you want it to be, but it's primarily kind of think about what you're going to do and and monitor your resources and use your special attacks. Uh, and so, you know, maybe they come up with just the perfect battle system for Final Fantasy 16. But I, I will be honest, this is probably the least I've been excited for a mainline Final Fantasy en entry ever. That's fair. I think for me, I'm very excited to see the efforts with Yoshi P uh, on the team and with Square. I imagine you like him. I do. I think Yoshi yeah. <laughs> has been like a real good uh, addition to Square Enix. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I'm looking to personally as like the gameplay, like the thing is, is that Bravery Default 2 exists. Like there are Final Fantasy turn-based games that can scratch that itch. And I wouldn't mind them 
you know, deciding if they wanted to take a crack at Final Fantasy XI and bring that into kind of Octopath Traveler 2D HD to tell its story in a turn-based, like, that would be cool. I think there's a lot of people that's an, that would be an interesting way preserving eleven for the future unless they decide to, like, remake it. But with sixteen, it's... The frustration I had with 15, though, like I thought I actually enjoyed 15. I, I 12 for me is like really also knocked out of the park. But you and I shared the same best Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy 6. Um, if Tactics also is in there, but it's like when, when we're talking about numbered, you know, I don't. Tactics is great. Tactics yeah. is just sad. Tactics yeah. is dour. I, oh, it's dark. Folks who haven't played this game, which we are presuming is coming out next year. <laughs> uh, you, you get ready. It is uh, it is a tragedy. Yes. Oh, yeah. And uh and I'm really hoping that people get experience that they haven't who had like it, that it exposed it to a whole new generation. Cause my goodness, but back to like the issue I had with 15 was it felt like it was finished in DLC, you know? And it's like, I really, really want them to say like, this is what 16 is. Here you go. You don't need to go watch a movie. You don't need to go download the DLCs. If they do any <laughs> DLC for it, if they do anything else for it, cool. But make sure that that's like, okay, we we had the game, it was planned, and it was finished, and then we sold it to everybody, and then they went and enjoyed it or, or didn't enjoy it. And I think right. that's going to be good. It's weird on that, right? Yeah. You get clips from the movie, and then no, nobody understands at all what happened with Arden until his episode. Right. And you're uh, like, there's so much yeah. depth in these characters in this world that it just felt like... That's what I don't want for 16, you know? Well, when it launched, it didn't even have the bestiary, and they put so much of the lore in there. It's like, oh, this is how you're telling me the story. I 15 to me is, I've always described it as more than the sum of its parts. Like, I can see all of the stuff that is bad about it. I can see how it's cobbled together. I can see how it co turns into a linear game after the first continent and all this stuff. And it still kind of drives me. If I turn that game on, it, it'll, it'll keep me going for a few hours, just in kind of loops and monster hunts mm -hmm. and things like that. So like they had something. Yeah. It's it's better than it should be. Yeah. But it didn't quite get there. Yeah. I 100% agree. And so that's where I, when I look at 16, I'm evaluating it because Yoshi P said something that I actually really respected is that he's not trying to make a 16 as a Final Fantasy game for everybody. Like he's like, we're not going to try to like do all these things and it's going to appease everybody because then at the end, I don't think they'd make it for anybody really. And I think he recognizes that everybody has their different favorite Final Fantasies and different systems. But what we want to do is we want to actually focus in our scope. We want to deliver a triple A Final Fantasy game. And that's what we're going to do. And that's that's where I'm just looking at that. It's like if he delivers on that, good. if he delivers on that, then do it again and, and welcome to whatever comes next. And then they yeah, can go maybe, shoot your shot. Yeah, I get that. It's what's interesting about that. I hadn't heard that quote is that's a direct refutation of the Final Fantasy 15 mantra. Right, which is that first screen on that is for first timer for Final Fantasy fans and first timers. Yeah, like we're gonna we're just gonna be for everyone. Uh, so yeah, no, go go make your game. The only thing I can't promise is that I'll be on the trip with you. Right, right. Yeah. Like I, Final Fantasy has long been my favorite series in gaming, and so it's like I I don't know. This one definitely doesn't appear to be made for me. So let's we'll see we'll see. Yeah, exactly. A any other games that you're uh, particularly fond of or excited about for twenty twenty three? Uh, you know, I, I think Hogwarts Legacy looks fantastic. Um, I think Warner Brothers appears to have put all of their money in it. Uh, and whatever so, was remaining. <laughs> whatever they had left. Yeah. They're like, well, they're going to sell the company off anyway. Just put it all in. Uh, and uh, it, it, every time I see it, it looks great. Uh, and I think if they can realize that kind of you know, fantasy approach to, to living at Hogwarts, I think that would be uh, a real good addition 
uh, to, to the video game pantheon. I actually feel like I'm getting slight vibes of that from Midnight Suns, which I'm playing through right now, which is really ambitious in ways that I hadn't expected. Uh, and you do kind of get a like, all right, you're living here at Hogwarts and, and dealing with these kinds of things on the fly. Uh, and I think if they if they do that, I think it could be a real winner. And obviously, you know, the, the, the Harry Potter franchise, the Wizarding World uh, is still very, very valuable um, to them. So, you know, we'll see. But I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. That one's also pretty early, I think, either January or February. Yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't been following that one uh, that much, but I know a lot of people usually bring it up. And I I know whenever it premieres, it definitely g- generates a lot of interest. Uh, we uh, we haven't started doing the Hogwarts, the you know, Harry Potter stuff with the kids yet. Mm-hmm. But I think, uh, Maddie, what our thought was is just like when, you know, like I I was actually beyond like my wife and brother were, were the ones who were growing up reading the Harry Potters. And I was just like checking all the movies and enjoying that. But when that was all coming out, it's like, yeah, I was we're kind of looking at having Maddie read the books and stuff like that and step yeah. into the movies as well. Uh, Cause it's like, Oh, that's something that was an interesting kind of thing where the books and like they were coming out and people, the hype for the book was also, if not, you know, bigger than the movie hype that was usually, that usually accompanied it. Oh, I, I stood later. in some lines for my sister. Yeah. I, I think I stood in lines for uh, five and six for her. So I remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, what would you say is uh, one of the biggest uh, fails of 2022 in terms of gaming? What was one of the biggest issues that have come out? of this year that you feel like could have either been handled better or just was something like, you know, cause I would say 2021 was really the blizzard fiasco. Like that verse for me was the biggest fail of the year. Was there any big fails for 2022? Well, honestly, I mean, I, I think this is going to come right back into my wheelhouse here, which is to mm-hmm. say I didn't anticipate this kind of animus between Sony and Microsoft on this deal, even when I was talking about it as early as, I think it gets announced January 18th of this year. So I didn't expect Sony to accelerate into this kind of scorched earth attack pattern that they're now kind of in, right? For those that don't know on this deal, they've recently escalated to, it cannot happen. We're not going to accept concessions uh, and, and telling the regulators that. I have that, not that, seen that. that does yeah, that- the gaming industry will die if there isn't an independently owned Activision, all, all this stuff. So <laughs> Sony Sony has gone for it all. Um, they clearly think that there's a potential opening there. But as a fan of Sony, right, I've had a PlayStation all the way up through PlayStation 5 on launch day. Uh, they have the bulk of the Japanese role-playing games. I've enjoyed my experiences with PlayStation for some, I don't even know, 30 years. Uh, I, I do look at this and I can't help but take a certain amount of, uh, loss of goodwill towards what's happening here. I understand that, that you know they, they think they can win this. It's useful for their business. I'm a business guy. Uh, and yet I still look at it and say, uh, you know, this isn't so, some of the claims are kind of ridiculous. Some of the things that they're saying are kind of ridiculous. And so the, the, if there's a fail to me, it's like, <clears throat> I don't think Sony has acquitted itself in a way that makes it very easy for me to be a fan of them. And I like to be a fan of them. Um, I like to be a fan of all these guys. I like yeah. to be a fan of good games. <laughs> uh, some people don't believe that when I go up out there with videos and I'm a, I'm a PS shill or I'm an Xbox, depending on the video. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm a fan of good games. And uh, I, I, I guess I just wish that they had acquitted themselves better. Uh, and so I think that there's a certain amount of, ah, oh, man, I, I, think, I think this could have been handled better, even if you have an overall complaint. Uh, and that isn't happening. And now we're getting into the place where, you know, yesterday Microsoft signs with Nintendo and essentially they gloat about it, right? They have they have the various tweets that go out and say, we're willing to talk to you whenever you want, Sony. 
and the articles about the the Federal Trade Commission and things. It's like, ah, this isn't my favorite version of the game industry, right? My favorite version of the game industry is the three people at the Game Awards from all three companies and a celebration of interactive entertainment and gaming. And uh, yeah, it's not that this year, right? <laughs> is Call of Duty that valuable? Uh, Call of Duty is pretty darn valuable. Um, but I, I think it's just a matter of the political environment, honestly. And I don't say that as a, as a sides thing. I say the regulators are interested in looking at technology companies. This is the deal in front of them. I don't really think it rings a lot of the bells that they are otherwise worried about and that they you know, testify to Congress to, but it is the one that they're looking at. And I think when Sony started to get kind of indications that maybe there was some traction in the UK and in the EU and maybe in America, they said, oh, screw it, let's go for it. And like I said, from a business standpoint, I understand. Uh, but I, I also look at it and say, yeah, we're burning bridges. Like we're, we're getting into a place where, you know, you've got the, the, the president of governmental relations of Microsoft calling out Sony on Twitter. And you got, you know, Jim Ryan complaining about all these things. You got Phil Spencer saying they're talking to regulators more than they're trying to actually get business done and all this stuff. And it's like, no, no, this is my leisure pursuit. I get enough of this in my day job. This is not what I prefer. <laughs> this crossed over too much. This is too big of a collab. Uh, yeah. You know, obviously it's fueled my channel. I got videos upon video. Yeah. I got 53 episodes in, in the Microsoft Activision saga at this point. And yet I, I would just, can't we all, can't we all be friends? What, what are we, what are we doing here? Let's, yeah. let's talk about this like honest adults, shall we? Uh, was, so that's probably it for me. Yeah. What was one of the biggest wins outside of uh, like uh, new stories for you this year uh, in 2022? Like was one of the big takeaways uh, that really kind of rings true to you? On the video game side, yeah. I think that gaming is m even more robust than I had originally thought. Like, as I said, I think the biggest win to me is uh, I didn't really feel the hole that I probably should have felt when Microsoft didn't release any games at all uh this year like it just didn't feel that way i think about it oh i guess they didn't uh because you know game pass and and indies on playstation and what the switch is doing and all these various things filled in so well I, as i said i think it's just a glorious year for tactical role-playing games yeah i didn't even add mario plus rabbits which is awesome um and so you just got all of these opportunities to play those kinds of games when they might not get that spotlight and so i think the industry overall is very healthy I mean, like that's part of the Activision story, right? Sorry yeah. to go keep, keep going back to that. I've been talking about it all the time, uh, but that's part of the Activision story, which is we have we have a very dynamic industry with people that can make really winning experiences in very tiny groups, uh, and you get to play all sorts of crazy stuff. Now, do I wish some of the novelty from the old days made its way into like kind of the AAA resource spending space? I do, uh, but we're getting to experience all kinds of things, uh, you know, from surviving vampires to figuring out the mystery of three movies that I love so much or anything in between. And that's, that's a really good thing to feel. I think so the win to me is like, this industry is here. You're not looking at an ET type scenario. It's not 1983. And, uh, I'm really happy about that. Even if I'm sad about, you know, how we're, how we're getting along overall. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer, and it just—I'm really hoping that that ultimately resolves itself pretty quickly. Because I'm kind of like—I don't know how—I mean, it sounds like you're kind of fatigued with it as well. But there's <laughs> a general interest in that knowledge. But yeah, there's the fatiguing of like—I—I I, I just don't know what happens if Sony successfully blocks 
Microsoft because it's a very interesting hypothetical. Because in this hypothetical, you now have pissed off a multi-trillion dollar company with a war chest, and a, and I would say like, yeah, I don't I don't see how Microsoft doesn't go, oh, okay, <laughs> well we're just gonna throw money at the problem, and you and we're not going to own companies, we're just going to own so much more and, and end up just kind of like because one of the things that, that kind of comes down to is that Sony locks down stuff for like a year, like within especially Call of Duty. They're like, we have the exclusive mode that we know that this time next year, when everybody moves to the new Call of Duty and we have the new exclusive mode that people who already own that game on another platform aren't going to have access to or or they're just going to move into the new Call of Duty. And I could say, and, and Phil Spencer's commented multiple times that he doesn't want to do that. And Microsoft hasn't been doing that. They did it back in the day. And now Sony's kind of the the exclusive of content exclusive within a within a game that's launching on multiple platforms. And I just wonder, I'm like, well, does Microsoft go back to that? Like, do all of a sudden you get to the point where you're like, okay, well, what the heck was that, Sony? Okay, fine. We're just going to start buying those, those deals up. And then all of a sudden you start feeling like Microsoft's being unfair or unjust. What do you think? It's possible. I mean, I've talked over this a little bit. I don't think they see the value proposition of those kind of limited licenses or even exclusives. So I don't think they're ever going to behave exactly like Sony with like, I don't know how long Final Fantasy 16 is an exclusive to them. Technically, it might be forever. Seven is still have... not on Xbox. Well, yeah. but that doesn't make that doesn't mean they have a contractual exclusive. That's kind of right. that's I think more likely a Square Enix decision. Mm. Uh, but I think that currently their trailer says Final Fantasy 16 is assured for six months of console exclusivity, I think. It said PC uh, it, and PS5, and they quickly deleted like PC after that. Yeah. So it seems like at <laughs> least is going to be launching console exclusive for a little bit. Yeah. 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 So I, who knows on those kinds of things? I don't know. Microsoft's going to fight them that way. I do think you'll see it more negative ad space. I, you know, there was a twinkle in the eye a little bit in the 90s, but certainly Nintendo and Sega went after each other. Mm. I, I think that you will see less of, you know, the congratulations on your big sales tweets and a little bit more negative advertising about you know how Sony operates or maybe even in a return volley how Microsoft operates and i don't know that that's healthy for overall bringing in new people and increasing the size of the pie and explaining to people how awesome gaming can be mm-hmm. uh, but i do see that potentially happening now we're a long way from there because i do think also that if one of these regulators tries to block you'll see a litigation i think you'll see a fight on it and that's a years long process so we might never ever stop Ooh. talking Ever. Yeah, my whole uh, hope for 2023 because I'm very excited uh, for Diablo 4. I, I played it at BlizzCon. Are good things today. I, yeah, I played it at BlizzCon. I was like, this is great. I can't wait to see it develop further. People are playing like the closed beta now, and I was like, yeah, this is gonna be great. Maybe it'll be an X uh, in Game Pass, and I don't have to sit here and worry about purchasing it on uh, on my Xbox. And mm-hmm. know uh, with crossplay, cross save, play anywhere. Like I'm I'm ready to I'm ready to freaking go. Do you think? Uh, would you would you classify Game Pass as kind of a fail this year to, because there wasn't any Microsoft first parties? I don't personally, but I use Game Pass different than others might, right? Actually, Game Pass I care more about the indie parade than than the AAA games. Uh, I it has kind of shown me games that I never would have even clicked on on my own, and that has been its value. Uh, so I am actually uh, pretty happy with the curation uh, at Xbox, and I'm always amused when you go and you look at the reviews of any Game Pass game unlike the Microsoft Xbox store, because people will try anything. If it's not additional price, then they'll just be like, ah, this isn't what I want. Yeah. One star. It's like, all right, okay, cool. <laughs> but I've gotten so many cool experiences. I'm playing through Norco. It's like, what even is this? I don't know. Uh, it's like a poetry adventure game. 
in Louisiana. All right, we'll give that a shot. Why not? Uh, Immortality, as I already mentioned, which in my opinion is the best game of the year was on Game Pass, so more people at least get to try it. And then, you know, rag on it in the reviews on Xbox. What even is this? Says all the Game Pass reviews for almost everything. Uh, but I really think that there is value to that through... Uh, we've got seven more games. You just go and you click on what's new on Game Pass every couple weeks. And you're like, oh, okay. What is this? Download these six things uh, and and give it a try. It's definitely not a fail for me. Uh, but I, I do understand other people have said, well, we don't, you didn't, you didn't release any of the expensive games, really, honestly, uh, for the value proposition. Uh, but I've, I've always felt that Game Pass is kind of like uh, opening up a present, seeing what's in there every couple of weeks. And sometimes there's some real winners. Yeah, as a parent, one of the things that's been really enjoyable is just the sheer access to games that I don't have to purchase because the kids are just like, oh, yeah, let's download that. Let's see what's on Game Pass. Let's go play that. We've been playing the Paw Patrol game and Forger. I knew you were going to say Paw Patrol because yeah. I was thinking the exact same. My kids are just aged out of it. Okay, but nice. I saw Paw Patrol come out and I was like, oh, that would have been that would have been a perfect thing to be like, yes, we will get this it's undoubtedly uh, middle tier at best licensed video game. It's a big hit with the kids. Forger, like the uh, my eight year old loves Forger. And it's actually one of the games that I really actually enjoy just watching her play. Uh, so we're just kind of hanging out together and she's building stuff and farming things and things like that. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. So that's but great. Again, a Game Pass game. So Game Pass for me is like a. It's, yeah, I can hear the kids outside the, the door. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's uh, that's usually how it goes around here. Um, but yeah, like it's been a real, real treat. One of the things that I feel like they're still lacking, though, is that, yeah, it feels like there is a gap still in, like I guess, that kind of age range. I've always been curious to see if they would, because they keep budding up with, with Sega uh, on certain projects. And I was always just like, are, we, are they going to actually commit and just like, decide to buy them or our own Sonic or, you know, in that regards, because they have like the, they had the fantasy star uh, game locked down for a year. They like, there's so many like different relationships. I was like, all right, it's kind of for me, Microsoft and Sega is a will they, won't they, as they kind of have been doing real well for the first time in Japan. And uh, that's something really exciting to see. Um, yeah. I, I have actually really no question. I, I would just turn it over to you. Like, do you have any kind of thoughts on, uh, any kind of future Microsoft acquisitions, especially as it relates to the Japanese uh, Japan? My guess is after Activision Blizzard, they're going to take a breath just because of how much work and resources this kind of thing takes. Um, that doesn't mean that they couldn't purchase up smaller studios around. I think I can never remember the name of the company. I want to say Sobo. Uh, the people that make Plague's Tale, I think, are, are right up there on the on the potential block for for something. But somebody like Xbox. Uh, but I, I think they're going to take a breather. Um, it's funny that you say that because I, in my head, I kind of do think of Xbox as the genesis, uh, of, of, of the various generations here. And so, yeah, Sonic and blast, blast processing, and you can't do this on Nintendo kind of thing. Uh, it does go with their, their edginess. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think they're going to take a break. And they, they, the other reason that they take a break, by the way, is not just that acquiring things is hard, is that they're still kind of in the reorganization framework, right? They're still figuring out how their pipelines should work. They went from however many companies to after this deal closes, if it closes, I think 34, 37, some kind of uh, huge number of development houses. So they have to make sure all of the pipelines are working to spit the money back out. Uh, and I think at some point you do take a breather to make sure that you've got a culture and a structure that is actually doing what you need it to do to, to participate, whatever industry you're in. It doesn't have to be just video games. So I think they take a break, but they'll always have their eye on the 
uh, on the possibilities. As I tell people, as I've told people for years, even before the, like the Zenimax acquisition, there is constantly evaluations and calls going on and determining what, if any, would be the possibilities of somebody selling uh, or something along those lines. So I, I think they will continue to do that. Uh, but assuming it gets through Activision Blizzard, they are going to be under the microscope a little bit. Uh, and so you just, you just, you know, fly casual, uh, as they might say in Star Wars. Now, um, my last question uh, really is kind sure. of here from Colin here, because okay. as we're both Square Enix fans, uh, Colin says, Square Enix keeps saying that they're not making enough money, but they still also keep their games off of multiple platforms. And you kind of hinted at that maybe Final Fantasy VII isn't on Xbox, namely because of a decision by Square Enix. We still don't see Final Fantasy XIV on Xbox. And Yoshi P recently commented that that's namely because of resources on their end to be able to release and test and, and have it certify uh, these games. Do you have yeah. any uh, thoughts on regarding Square Enix's recent comments about how they're not making money and how they're also having the, like, I wonder what the PlayStation deal, like if they are exclusive for a period of time, what that kind of is bringing in. And I don't know if it necessarily is uh, to their, to their financial benefit now. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, well, any marketing deal like that is going to have a monetary component, uh, whether that's in cash or in kind. We kind of saw inklings of that when the Capcom Resident Evil Village contract got released. You could see how that works in practice. Uh, I, I really do think it's probably just resources. You know, they look at certainly their home jurisdiction where Xbox has not historically done very well in Japan. Um, but Square Enix is having a moment overall, right? They just offloaded basically their entire Western output for three pennies and a nickel. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they're, they're reforming what it is they want to do. Some of that is like their NFT project, which we'll see, I guess. Uh, but, but some <laughs> of that is trying to focus down on what they are, what they are good at. Um, they're certainly, if they're able to focus down, they're certainly an acquisition target on their own. They're not that expensive in terms of assets. They have a close relationship with Sony. They could be essentially, you know, batting their eyelashes at, at Sony. I mean, that, that could be something that's happening behind the scenes. Um, we'll see on that, but I honestly do think that they look at the numbers and the analytics and they feel like it, they would not make the resources it took to move one of their games over back through sales on that other platform. Could they be wrong? Square Enix is wrong about a lot of stuff all the time. Uh, I love them. They're probably my favorite developer in terms of output. They make wacky stuff. I like playing wacky things. Uh, but uh, they make very cautious choices and sometimes very silly choices with their business side. Uh, and uh, I think basically they are conservative on expanding their base, would be my guess. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're speculating here. We're not sitting in those rooms. But sometimes I wish I was a fly on the wall just because yeah. it's like, just to know, not even to share, just like a fly that understands oh, Japanese. Yeah, exactly. And that, that'd be step one. <laughs> turn, learn Japanese. Step two, turn into fly. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I think it would be interesting. They, they make a lot of choices that don't make a ton of sense to me. Um, and, you know, one of the things I actually really liked about what they decided to do this year is make what I would call. I don't even know, a bunch of double A or, or single A type games, like putting only a certain amount of resources in and seeing what flies. I, I, it turns out I actually kind of really like their Star Ocean this year, which I wasn't expecting at all. I've consistently liked their really low tier stuff. I love their Voice of Cards series. I really liked uh, Dungeon Encounters last year. Like they make a bunch of weird small stuff. And I would see them do that more because honestly, I think that there is an area of the market that isn't getting fed with variety when the Sony's the world, love you, Sony, 
basically just make third person over the shoulder action adventure games, some of which are linear, some of which are open world. And that's the distinction when you can have a broader range of, of random stuff. And I think Square Enix delivers that. Uh, so I think they're making some good choices. I think it probably is wise, even though I Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy was actually my favorite game last year. Surprise to me, by the way, before I played it. Uh, but actually my favorite game last year, and they offloaded those studios. And it's like, yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense. You're not great at figuring out what you want to do with these kinds of assets. We have the whole brouhaha about Crystal Dynamics and the Avengers and what should be done and what oh, shouldn't yeah. be done and all this stuff uh, with them. So I, I think focusing what we would call in like business parlance on your core competencies uh, is, is a good idea. But yeah, they're, they're hard to watch sometimes. As, as a lover of Final Fantasy, it's like, my God. God, you guys can't get a cadence that's less than six or seven years. Like, what is going on? <laughs> At least with 16, they didn't announce it a decade ago. They that didn't. Was... It wasn't too early. And yet, we're kind of grading on a curve, right? Because it's going to be like three mm. years <laughs> from announcement to release. Yeah, but that's much better. Final, Like, when it they announced Final Fantasy seven R, I was like, I jokingly was like, there we go, 2020. Uh, let's go 2020. And nailed it and it was like oh my gosh i was totally thinking that it was the gonna be promise has been made yeah and uh like but kingdom hearts 3 another decade long like they've hit some some snags and the thing with 10-year projects a lot of people gamers will say especially because like as a developer they're like oh 10 years that means they poured 10 years of passion and focus <laughs> it's like no 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 that means they had turnover <laughs> that means people left the company and the vision changed leadership There's seven changed. games that died in between announcement and now yeah. And you got the last three years. Exactly. <laughs> and you got what they could deliver on. Yeah, exactly. Where uh, where can people find you, man? Sure. Well, I think most prominently I'm on YouTube. So you can find me at youtube.com slash hoaglaw, where we do virtual legality, which is the Keystone series on the channel. And we also do those hangouts and headlines four days a week at 7.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So come join us. It's a very chill time. We talk about whatever the heck is on the thumbnail that I picked out for that day. Everything from... Velveeta lawsuits to uh, really important stuff about like I, the health system. I mean, we do all sorts of things in Hangouts and Headlines. So do check that out. And then early next year, we'll be returning with Lawyers and Dragons, where three of my lawyer buddies and I play Dungeons and Dragons in a lawyerly style. Uh, and that's a lot of fun. <laughs> we just finished season one a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and that actually proved to be one of the more popular things I've done on the channel. So who knows with this crazy stuff? Uh, I'm running shows all the time, but you can find me there. Or if you just want to hear me rant or rave about my Michigan Wolverines, you can follow me on Twitter at Hoglaw as well, because well, my Wolverines are out there, so. there we go. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hopefully you enjoyed. And if you're listening here and uh, any kind of archive after the show has been done, sound off in the comments. Let me know. I appreciate the likes on this video as well. And uh, also, hopefully you guys check out the MP3 audio wherever MP3s are downloaded. Uh, you know the place. Anyway, guys, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you in the future. But until then, take care.